the Memorare. Remember, O most gracious Virgin Mary, that never was it known that anyone who fled to your protection, implored your help, or sought your intercession was left unaided. Inspired by this confidence, I fly to you, O Virgin of Virgins, my mother. To you I come, before you I stand, sinful and sorrowful. O Mother of the Word incarnate, despise not my petitions, but in your mercy, hear and answer me. Amen. All across the Gulf South, it's 7 a.m. Time to wake up on Catholic Community Media. Good morning. You're listening to Wake Up on this beautiful Tuesday morning. You are tuning your heart to the truth. I'm Gabby Smith, along with Damian Glotto and David Dawson. Hey, guys. Happy Tuesday. Happy Tuesday, indeed. Yes, it is. God, we were already making plans last night for Thanksgiving. That is so weird. A lot of people are. Yeah. Oh, it is. I mean, it's next week. It's next week. That's what's hard to believe. Yeah. (laughs) I was just thinking. Yeah, Gabby. That's a little... I made plans a month ago. You're just oh, making plans oh, for course, Thanksgiving? Oh, of course. That's right. It's You're next probably week. Back. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> to think that in about 45, okay. 46 days, this year's over. Okay, slow down. I'm, I just, I'm absorbing Thanksgiving. Come on now. Don't, really don't rush scary. things for me. <laughs> I mean, to me, it's like it this is. year went by in a, in a blink of an eye. Blink indeed. Yeah. So anyway, uh, today <laughs> is the we're honoring uh, the feast day of St. Gertrude the Great. By the way, the only female saint to be having the title the Great. Oh, really? Yes. Okay. It's not given to too many saints mm-hmm. to begin with, but she's the only female. And so now I got to hear it. We're offer up a prayer on her behalf in the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Amen. Eternal Father, I offer you the most precious blood of your divine Son, Jesus, in union with the masses said throughout the world today for the holy souls in purgatory, for sinners everywhere, for sinners in the universal church, those in my own home and within my family. Amen. Amen. In the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Amen. 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 We will learn more about St. Gertrude the Great later on in today's show during our Saint of the Day, but we are starting off with some events in our listening area at 10 After. You can find all of them at our website right now at ccmedia.live. In 18 minutes, Patricia Davis joins us. She is the superintendent of Catholic schools in the Diocese of Baton Rouge, and we are talking about mental health and safety in our Catholic schools today. In 35 minutes, Bobby Angel joins us. He is a Catholic author and discussing video games and our faith. And also his book called Gaming and the Heroic Life, A Quest for Holiness in a Virtual World. I just gave David a little uh, 101 quick um, learning lesson on what Twitch was so he can be prepared for the interview (laughs) and talk about all things video games. How do you turn this computer on, by the way? I'm sorry. Go ahead, <laughs> Yeah. No. And Matt Estrade joins us in 48 minutes. He's a founder of Catholic Aging with the Peace with Dementia Rosary. And today we are talking about caregiving during the holidays. So looking forward to some wonderful guests today and topics. And Damien, looking forward to your weather report. What do you have for us? Well, we had a good 24 hours soaking, to say the least, long needed. Yeah. And boy, yeah. uh, it was it was welcome because no one, I don't believe in our 
our area got a major downpour for any length of time, which mm-hmm. was good. No, just pretty much uh, drizzle. It's just good, yeah. steady rain, and that's what our lawns needed, and we're thankful for that. Mm-hmm. Rain seems to be clearing out. It's it's already moving out of Baton Rouge, New Orleans, in about two or three hours out of our entire listening area before lunchtime today. That doesn't mean a shower won't pop up, but the chance of that is is minimized to about 20-25% at this point in time. It is going to remain chilly because we have winds blowing out of the north-northeast at about 10 to 20 miles an hour. Wow. And the high today is going to be 62 Tomorrow, it's going to be cloudy, overcast, so that's going to keep things cool. Still will be breezy as winds out of the northeast, as I said, 10 to 20. High tomorrow, 63. Currently, everyone's in the 50s. 57 degrees in Covington, Gulfport, as well as Baton Rouge. And 59 degrees in Homa Thibodeau, as well as New Orleans. It is 5 after the hour. We have your gospel coming up, as well as reflection, and some events we want to share with you here on Wake Up. Good morning, I'm Father Chris Decker, and today's gospel comes to us from Luke chapter 17. Jesus said to the apostles, Who among you would say to your servant who has just come in from plowing or tending sheep in the field, Come here immediately and take your place at table? Would he not rather say to him, Prepare something for me to eat? Put on your apron and wait on me while I eat and drink? You may eat and drink when I am finished. Is he grateful to that servant because he did what was commanded? So should it be with you. When you have done all you have been commanded, say, We are unprofitable servants. We have done what we are obliged to do. We've heard the gospel, and now we reflect. In today's gospel, Jesus is not approving of the masses' abusive and arbitrary behavior toward his slaves. Rather, he uses an example very familiar to his audience of the condescending attitude masters had toward their slaves and servants. What then should be our attitude toward our merciful Heavenly Father? He gives us everything, from our very existence to the world we live in and the eternal happiness He promises for our fidelity. Then, there is the astounding reality that the divine Son of God assumed our lowly nature in order to save us. Everything we have is one huge, undeserved gift that flows from God's love. Therefore, it is critical to recognize that we are always in debt to our Creator and Savior. There is no base to assume a proud attitude toward God based on our so-called accomplishments. Rather, if we do something well, we should say to ourselves, We are unprofitable servants. We have only done what we were obliged to do. Even the good we accomplish would not be possible unless God gave us the grace to do it. And so Jesus reminds us, apart from me, you can do nothing that is nothing of any value. St. Paul taught us the other side of that saying, where God does the heavy lifting. I can do all things in him who strengthens me. Our Blessed Mother gives us the example to follow. When the angel Gabriel informed her that she was chosen to be the mother of God, she replied simply, Behold, I am the handmaid that is the slave girl of the Lord. In her Magnificat, she proclaimed God's greatness 
expressed her gratitude for looking favorably upon her lowliness and declared that he is the Holy One. As for those who wallow in their make-believe greatness, well, Jesus warned that everyone who exalts himself will be humbled. Yes, some eternally in hell. Have a wonderful day. This is Jimmy Sagers. And a huge thank you, Jimmy Baby, as well as Father Chris Decker. And we thank you all for watching and listening to Catholic Community Radio. And it's Tuesday morning. We have some events we want to share with you. If you're in the Baton Rouge area, and even if you're not, you may want to attend this. Family and friends are invited to the first annual St. Agnes Catholic Church, a wing and a prayer shootout. It's this Friday, November 17th, at Bridgeview Gun Club. That's in Port Allen, just across the river. Registration is at 8. Shotgun start at 9. Prizes will be awarded at 1130 in the morning. Uh, $150 per shooter for 100 extra bucks. You can get four clay mulligans uh, if you want to take some extra shots. And it's going to be fun for the family and everyone else. And it's going to support a good cause, St. Agnes Catholic Church. So a shootout. We're talking shooting skeet, I would hope. Yes, clay clay skeet. Just like show up, bring your guns, we're going to shoot it out. That's what it looked like to me. I was getting concerned there. But all right. Okay. Uh, Men's Axe Retreat, November 30th through December the 3rd is coming up. Uh, The retreat will begin at the Archdiocese Retreat Center in Metairie. And it'll start at 545 on November 30th. And it's going to conclude on Sunday, December 3rd at the 11 a.m. Mass at St. Catherine of of Siena. The retreat includes lodging, single occupancy rooms, all meals and supplies. And let's see, that is November the 30th. So you better hurry up because these things book up really fast. Last chance to sign up. Yeah. Yes. Well, also happening over at St. Catherine of Siena in Metairie is their women's club. They're going to visit the Blessed Francis Xavier Silos National Shrine on November 18th. That's coming up in just a few days. Everyone will meet at the Melanson Center parking lot at 930 in the morning and depart promptly promptly at 9.45 a.m. For more information, you can go to ccmedia.live. That sounds like a neat little field trip. Have you been? Uh, yes. Isn't it nice? Oh, yeah. I love that shrine. Mm-hmm. It's yeah, beautiful. Too. I can't yeah. believe we have that right here in our own backyard, too. That's true. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, December 9th, there's going to be a Christmas spiritual retreat. That's right. The Young at Heart, they're hosting a Christmas spiritual retreat at Fair Oaks House from 9 a.m. until 1 p.m., and that's in Covington, Louisiana. Father Michael Luxbacher, a legionary priest, will be doing the speaking for this particular retreat entitled Christ-Centered During the Christmas Holidays. Mm. Cost is just $20 a person, and that also covers your lunch. There will also be a mass after the retreat and some discussion. If you need more details or information, go to ccmedia.live. And St. Peter's Catholic Church in Covington continues their speaker spotlight in conjunction with their church parish Eucharistic Revival. Christine Baglow is going to be the speaker, and the topic is Making a Eucharistic Home. The talk will begin at 9 a.m. That's on the December 2nd. That's Saturday morning, so 9 a.m. Everyone can go. And for more information, go to ccmedia.live. 
All right. Well, the first annual St. Joseph's Academy Pickleball Tournament will take place Friday and Saturday, December 1st and 2nd. So bring your paddles at the Academy Student Center and Activities. You sound just like a pickleball. Yeah, yeah. You do. It's sponsored by the SJA Alumni Association. The tournament is open to women and men and mixed double teams. And all alumni, friends and family 18 years and older can participate Go to sjapickleball.org for details or ccmedia.live. All right. Tonight, by the way, St. Stanislaus is having their open house from 5 until 7. Potential students as well as parents are invited to attend to catch up on what they're doing academically. You'll meet some special students, and you'll also meet faculty and a few other events that will be taking place to show you what's going on on campus. You get a chance to take a tour. If you'd like more information, go to ststan.com. Dot com. That's ststand.com if you want to check out uh, their uh, open house tonight from 5 to 7. Okay, folks, it is uh, right at 15 after the hour on this Tuesday morning. Don't go too far. Patricia Davis coming up next. This is Franciscan Media's Saint of the Day for November 14th. Today we celebrate St. Gertrude the Great. Born in Saxony around the middle of the 13th century, today's saint is considered one of the three greatest female spiritual writers in church history. From an early age, Gertrude lived and was educated at the monastery school at Hefta and eventually became a Benedictine nun. Along with her friend and teacher, St. Mechtild, she practiced a spirituality called nuptial mysticism, seeing herself as a bride of Christ. A pioneer in devotion to the Sacred Heart, her spiritual life was a deeply personal union with Jesus that led her into the very life of the Blessed Trinity. As a Benedictine, Gertrude found Christ through living the rhythm of the liturgy. There and in Scripture, she found themes and images that both enriched and expressed her piety. The life and revelations of St. Gertrude, a record of her mystical experiences, has been compared with the writings of St. Teresa of Avila. Gertrude died in 1302. Though never formally canonized, her feast was extended to the Universal Church in 1738 by Pope Clement XII. There's more about the saints along with inspiration and Catholic resources at our website, saintoftheday.org. From Franciscan Media, this has been Saint of the Day. It is 19 past the hour. You are tuning your heart to the truth. I'm Gabby Smith, along with Damian Collado and David Dawson. Our first guest today is Dr. Patricia Davis. Dr. Davis is the superintendent of Catholic schools in the Diocese of Baton Rouge. Good morning, Dr. Davis. Thank you so much for being with us again today. Thank you, Gabby. It's a pleasure to be with you all again. Appreciate you having me. Yes, and we are... Yes, and we appreciate your updates, and today is uh, a very important one, kind of continuing what we talked about last month, and for those who maybe have missed it or uh, forgot, it's uh, we're talking about mental health in Catholic schools, especially for students, and this is something that's so important, I think, Dr. Davis, especially children at such a young age these days, you know how we're always saying that, but it is true. Um, So tell us, what is the Diocese of Catholic Schools doing as far as addressing mental health issues? 
Okay, I know we talked last month and it happened to be on mental health, um, national, um, global mental health day. Mm-hmm. So I wanted to continue that conversation a bit today. Um, I think as Catholic schools um, across the nation, we are taking safety as a priority. We're looking at protecting our students holistically, both physically and mentally. So there's, you know, when we say protecting our students, then we have done a lot protect them physically and we'll mm-hmm. continue to work on that and improve our processes and we even have legislation that's addressing this too so safety is a big concern but it also includes the mental health you know um, mental health has been declared a national crisis I think we we've probably mm-hmm. all heard that somewhere but the research does show that we're at you know a the schools actually are at the front line of this. So mm. we want to make sure that we're addressing mental, uh, our mental wellness with our student, preparing our faculty, our administration, and helping our parents. You know, parents are a very pe- important piece of our schools. We, we partner with them for everything we do. So addressing um, mental health at the school level, we know that's not going to solve everything, but... We, we want to be part of the solution. And we also want to draw on our faith teachings on how the, we can best incorporate and integrate our faith teachings to address mental wellness. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. We also, today, I thought I would continue the, the mental health, the scope of it being in a holistic way. It also inco- incorporates how we address special needs, how, how are we helping our students um, who have learning differences, and how do we equip our schools and staff? So we're working very hard to uh, address those needs. But when when we talk about the mental health and the crisis, I want to go back to that a minute. Mm-hmm. We all know social media has so much to do yes. with uh, mental health these days. So we're looking. Mm-hmm. They they actually dedicated uh, education uh, week, dedicated a whole issue to the mental health crisis. And they were talking about what media, social media excessive use does. We know it interrupts sleep habits. Kids are more likely to be depressed. They're more Mm -hmm. likely to experience harassment and bullying. So we're Mm -hmm. looking at ways and uh, professional development we're holding in February to address the Internet safety. So I think I'm real excited about that because that has a parent component as well. But, you know, we also look at... I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, you make great points, and I just want to circle back to social media. I've seen it and witnessed it as a parent of a middle schooler. uh, Mm -hmm. Social media in the hands of 9, 10, 11, 12-year-olds and the harassment that it calls, parents being called in, uh, just a lot of issues when it comes to uh, harassment online and parents being aware right. of that and how can how where does a school step in when it comes to something like that because it is happening at such a young age for yeah. these right. children. Yeah. Well, you know, there's a gray area of responsibility. We share that with parents and we share that with the yeah. schools and a lot of things happen on a weekend or an evening. So those are difficult mm-hmm. situations, but if you know. We um, really take um, that to heart when, when we have our social media um, forms that we sign and those parameters and boundaries, you know, get blurred sometimes, but we want to partner with parents. We realize, you know, 
we can't control everything that happens on the weekend, but if it happens and it affects mm-hmm. our school students and the, and the well-being of students, we do have a role to play in that for sure. Um, so, so we're looking at, even at phone banning. You know, when my daughter grew up, the phone stopped yeah. at the door; they turned right. it in. And now research is showing the benefits of that. You know, the the big issue are parents. Um, not being able to connect with their students, so they're finding different ways to make them feel secure. Um, it all has to do with safety and, and feeling safe, and, but they're showing great um, a positive outcomes from phone banning you know, at the school. So mm-hmm. we don't have that, but you know, that's, it's up on the table for me. <laughs> yeah, know, I sure. want to make sure that, um, that students are feeling uh, more engaged with each other and there's shown to be less distractions and those things. The second piece I do want to talk about today was what I want to get back to is the um, learning differences. You know, our USCCB is even having a panel on the discussion, which will include our role as a ministry and church and schools, how we, um, what's the role of our, we play with students with disabilities. So we're we're working really hard. We have a very fortunate program called Reach Program here, and we're working to improve that. We're always working to improve things. So, um, taking a, a team out in the first week of December to the Diocese of Arlington, which has a um, a huge um, program, and it's very well received and legacy for um, working with special needs. They have a program called Options Program, and we're going to look at that and look at how we can best um, serve our students with special needs and continue Mm -hmm. to improve on that. So that's very important. I have a daughter with special needs, so it's dear to my heart, Mm -hmm. and I understand that, you know, parents can't always find um, a Catholic school that can serve them, so we're going to try to do the best we can to accommodate students and the various learning disabilities that we're facing these days. Um, yeah. I think that the program... Dr. Davis. Has, yes. And I, yeah. I, I have also seen a lot of Catholic schools include resource classes or extra classes throughout the day uh, or a class that will replace another class, uh, you know, to focus on uh, a certain... Uh, area that they need help with, whether it's math or English, writing, reading. Um, And I think that's so important. As parents, I think it's something that we should take advantage of that this is being provided in the Catholic schools. Right. You know, and and again, our programs, they're for um, people with been diagnosed with um, certain learning disabilities or um, learning differences that we can help. Can we do everything for every student, I, I think that uh, that would be a, an injustice to say, yes, we could do that. We can't. We can do, um, our church calls us to do that. Uh, we have great resources that other dioceses don't. We want to expand that. We want to be able to help students and help them and prepare our faculty, staff, and our leadership. You know, things... Um, Evolve and this program's evolving, and I think that we're going to see a um, good positive outcome strengthening the program for our schools. So I'm excited about that. Um, 
you know, Dr. Davis, the, have you seen a lot mm-hmm. of um, uh, children who need maybe extra help, especially since COVID? I feel like that's kind of raised a lot of uh, cracks in uh, whether it's Catholic school or public school, uh, that some children really need help when it comes to things or there's a setback in a certain subject and there's a need there. Right. Um, schools overall have seen that. We've seen um, an increase in anxieties due to um, schoolwork, um, being behind. We are fortunate that we don't have the gap as some of some of the other um, schools, but we do um, realize that there is room to grow, and we want to address that. Things that we may not even realize that a child, you know, immediately COVID is still unfolding mm-hmm. and will continue, mm-hmm. you know, and. and the yeah. anxiety, the the gaps in learning, all these things that we think, well, COVID's passed us. Well, we're realizing now, even with our adults, our teachers, you know, stress doesn't just stop with the students. It's, it's also, yeah. you know, our faculty and staff and how do we help them? How do we help families coping with financial difficulties that impact anxiety in kids? Or how do we help families that have... Um, other issues that, that are impacting their students. We can't be everything for a family, but we are a church community. So we, we mm-hmm. value our relationships uh, and want to help families. So that's, those are the things we're looking at, that how um, that's great. all of this fits into the well-being of the student. And I'm, I'm very excited because I yes. think even the church itself is waking up and saying, hey, we need to be able to um, address these issues yes. for our students. Yes. Yeah. Well, Not it's very we important, and we need to continue. That, but I think it's becoming a priority, right. like never right. before. I think so too, and it's important, and it's so good to see the Diocese of Baton Rouge Catholic Schools continuing to improve in that area. Uh, Dr. Patricia Davis, Superintendent of Catholic Schools in the Diocese of Baton Rouge, thank you so much for being with us. Oh. You can go to DIOBR for more information. Bobby Angel joins us to talk about video gaming and our faith when we return from the break. It is half past the hour on Wake Up. Thirty-five past the hour. You're tuning your heart to the truth. I'm David Dawson, along with Damian Collado and Gabby Smith. And right now we have Bobby Angel, Catholic author. He has written a book called "Gaming and the Heroic Life." A Quest for Holiness in a Virtual World. Good morning, Bobby. Good morning. How are you doing? I'm doing great. And just the title in itself fascinates me because I, I, I never thought I would see that. Because when you when you associate gaming and such, you figured, oh, gosh, that's just killing a whole lot of time. And uh, nothing's getting done. And, and there's no virtues coming out of it. And you're writing about something different here. Yeah, yeah, this is a topic that's near and dear to my heart because I've grown up playing video games and now I'm a husband and father of kids and uh, trying to shepherd them in a very digital world. Uh-huh. And for me, I'm a, I love the Catholic both and, where you can take the best of the culture, so yeah. movies and books and architecture and even video games, and see where there's fingerprints of God and lead people to that. Like, hey, that game is beautiful like where do you think beauty comes from wow. like hey you really enjoy the the community of getting to play with other people like that's great you know we're, we're made for community and for communion 
So I taught at a Catholic school, so I also can't help but like draw, like ex- like extrapolate like lessons from all these things in the world we live in. And so it, it was a delight to write the book, and I'm excited to get to uh, share it with the world now. Is it still your passion? You still play a lot of video games? I still play like very late at night when okay. the kids are in bed. <laughs> and it's finally some some me time. But the cool thing too is like now our oldest is nine years old. And we got her a Nintendo Switch for her birthday. All right. And really kind of anchoring it, though, and like, hey, listen, like, games are not evil. They're not a just waste of time, like, in and of itself. It's it's everything in moderation. And there's also, like, the types of games you play. Right. They matter. Yeah. And the, the quantity of time. And, um, you know, I, I just grew up kind of hearing, like, it was, there was either the polar opposites. Of it was wagging a finger. Yes, like all all games are bad. It's you're, a waste of time. You're gonna time. become of nothing. That's right. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. It was. It was like you're gonna never leave your parents' basement, or at worst, you're gonna be a school shooter. Yeah. Like yeah. it was. It was either that, or it was like, who cares? Just play whatever you want. It doesn't really matter. And I was always, even as like a teenager, I thought like, no, there's there's more nuance here. Like mm-hmm. there's there's got to be a, a a middle way. And I really anchor um, the end of the book around blessed Carlo Acutis's story. Oh, good. Who good. is the, yeah, are the millennial on the way to sainthood. Yeah. An Italian teen who died at age 15 from very aggressive leukemia. And he loved his video um, games, right? Yeah, he loved yeah. Pokemon and Pikachu. He played PlayStation, but he also went to Daily Mass. He also served the poor. Yeah. He coded and created websites around Eucharistic miracles. Right. So he was a young man in the world and in the culture and knew how to use it for good without worshiping it. So is it, I mean, video games, there's an attraction. Apparently we are hardwired and something about video games is pulling us in. What is that? Well, I'd say like there's something, so I I, I do take a, a brief philosophical detour in mm-hmm. the first chapter just to be like, why do we game at all? Yeah. Like, what is it about the human person that we delight in play? Right. And because um, my, my trying to explain this to my dad, who is an avid Boston mm. Red Sox fan. Yeah. He's like, why would anyone watch someone else play a game? Yes. Oh, okay. And, <laughs> I see the time I'm, there. I'm yeah. Like, okay. Yeah. I'm like watching him watch the TV. Yeah. And he's like, all right. All right. Fair point. Okay. Go. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I never thought of it that there, way. You're absolutely right. Son of a gun. There's okay. some, but there's something delight. There's something delightful and very human about play. Yeah. And it's like C.S. Lewis said, we could live without art and friendship, but it wouldn't be much of a life worth living. And so, like, there is something innate about, and it's not just about like, oh, you learn character, learn lessons. Like, no, the point of the play is the play. Yeah. And. I would say we're made in the image and likeness of a God who is playful and okay. creative and designed us for uh, a purpose, like a vocation. Yeah. And to the extent a young person today, or not so young, doesn't feel like they have a purpose, video games offer that. Okay. And so it's recognizing, a lot of these game developers recognize we do have a need for adventure and a need for beauty mm-hmm. and a need mm-hmm. for community. And to the extent we don't feel like the real world is offering it, um, you know, we'll stay in the digital. Well, there's no doubt you're like a, you're like a pioneer pioneer when it comes to this because you're 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 
actually approaching something that is a part of our culture. It has to be approached, and I don't think it can be separated. So what do you do? Talk about the book itself, and how do you, how do you guide us into the holiness of video games? Sure. Yeah, and it's again, the medium is not the enemy. Right. Like movies and books are not evil in and of themselves. So I think step one is just kind of recognizing what's going on in our own hearts when we approach the topic of video games, like where might we have a, a bias or may just kind of wag a finger? Because if you're wagging a finger and saying it's all a waste of time, yeah. you're going to lose the young people in front of you. Right. Who, it is important to them. This is where they spend so much time. And so I come out the book um, very affirmative of, like I said earlier, the beauty, the adventure, and the community that video games offer nowadays it's billions of dollars in, in revenue. It's not going anywhere right. in terms of a culture. Like Mario, super, like Mario, <laughs> Sonic, Pikachu are characters recognized around the world. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I come out the gate just kind of, yeah, like affirming, like good. Like, and that's, we find these things attractive and beautiful for a reason. But then also kind of, but where does beauty come from? And, you know, if there's a game, there's a game designer. Uh. And so very much writing for kind of like, I, again, I, I used to be a teacher and I saw like apathetic teens who didn't really care about God or religion, but love, like, and that was me. Like I was daydreaming my way through mass. I couldn't wait to get home and play PlayStation. Okay. <laughs> right. And to, to have someone kind of sprinkle the, the breadcrumbs of like, Hey, listen, like these desires you have that seem to be met by video games. Guess what? Like, there's a God who sees and knows and loves you mm. and put that desire for adventure and beauty and community in your heart. And so the book is largely affirmative. Towards the end, I get a little more into the pitfalls of, yes, they can be designed, especially the cell phone games today, are really designed to be pretty addictive. And the danger of, yes, like the quantity of time we play or the games that can be inappropriate to play, like right. those exist. Right, um, but I don't. I don't come out the gate with that because I want to get people, young and old, on the fishing line yeah. to to bring them in to get them to take a second look or a first look at how video games have more to do with with the God who loves us than we realize. So, so were oh, you going to ask a question? Yeah. This Damien, I got a quick question. I've got a grandson, and he plays video games. How much time should be spent on these? You mentioned time, so I'm kind of curious. And how do you make sure they don't become addicted to the game itself or games? And what type of games do you recommend for seven, eight, nine-year-olds? I mean, it's so the types of games are going to vary depending on the age. And this is where I, I, I can't give hard and fast rules. Every family has to discern what's appropriate to introduce when. Unfortunately, like most times, the kids are the ones leading the conversation. Like, mm-hmm. oh, well, so-and-so plays this. Why can't I play this? Mm-hmm. And, you know, we don't do enough research as parents to realize, like, oh, like, it's, it's same with movies and stuff. So there's got to be a discernment of, like, when is it? Like, you're not going to give a five-year-old Lord of the Rings. Okay. Right. Like, right. But when they're, when they're 9, 10, 11, it's like, hey, I think you're ready for this. Yeah. Like, the story is intense, but there's a lot of, of goodness and, um, and her- uh, like, heroic examples of virtue and you're ready for it now so so there too with video games and the the time thing i think is is a big factor and that's something that you have to yeah. look at like okay um 
and that can be that that can lead to some hard conversations. And as parents, it's like, okay, we're not we're not our friend, our kids' friends. We have to be their parent and teach them when to turn it off. Like, and blessed Carlo mm-hmm. Acutis, he he set time limits on himself. He it wasn't did. even his. That's mom. right. He, he sure did. That's right. He well, was like, I'm only going to play an hour a week. And Beautiful. I was like, I can't even. I can't even do that. Like, but he. I know. So I think it's, wow. it's just well, kind of holding an intention, like, hey, right. this thing is good. Well, um, Bobby, I've got but, a. Um, we, we've got a ton more questions for you. We're gonna have to have you back on. Look, uh, uh, it's called "Gaming and Heroic Life: A Quest for Holiness in the Virtual World." Uh, Bobby, how can we? Well, we'll explore how we can get that online. Forty-eight after the hour. Good morning, everyone. Welcome back to Wake Up, Damian Colado, Gabby Smith, David Dawson, and our monthly regular friend Matt Estrad is with us. He's founder of Catholic Aging with Peace with Dementia Rosary. Here today to talk about boy how to handle the stress if you're a caregiver or with your caregivers when it comes to the holidays. Good morning, Matt. Good morning, Damian. Great to be here. Well, good to have you, and you know, uh, this is a stressed out time, Thanksgiving, Christmas, families are trying to figure out, okay, what are we going to do as far as the gathering goes, how do we take care of the loved one who we're caring for, how do they we incorporate them, or maybe even the caregiver schedule, if they have caregivers for that individual, it becomes a juggling act and adds a lot of stress, so help us out with some tips. Yeah, you know, it's interesting because things can change uh, vastly than uh, the previous Thanksgiving and Christmas and New Mm -hmm. Year's. So it's something that we need to, you know, go into this season knowing that there could be some changes. And and sometimes there are changes and um, there are other families know about it and sometimes they don't know about it. So it's great that we're talking about this to prepare for that time. So and of course, this is a time for family gatherings, it's time to, uh, to, to celebrate the holidays and being together, not be stressed out. So one of the biggest things that people want to think about is to remember the meaning of the season, not, uh, of course, Christmas, but also Thanksgiving and, and, and other things that we're doing right now. Um, and that, knowing that is the focus, and it, even though it, it might be different, this year might be different from the years past, it's to think about those specific traditions and sort of simplify as much as possible. So yeah, one simplify. example, yeah. exactly. Yeah. One, one example is hosting. Like sometimes it's one person who, one family, one household that traditionally um, hosts uh, different, different events, different holiday events. And you know, sometimes that needs to transition to another family member, or it might mean that whereas they, maybe they cooked everything or most things, People are bringing in uh, a dish or two to help out. So in that way, it's not falling on just that one person in their household because maybe they're caregiving, um, whether it's someone living in the home or they're, you know, they're just, you know, busy helping someone outside the home. So, you know, seeing what you can do. So either either outsourcing the cooking, perhaps, or outside or outsourcing the um, the actual event, if that's something that that could be helpful. Yes. And of course, uh, depending on how mobile the individual is, you know, sometimes you may have to do it at their location or you find another location, as you mentioned. And the key is is to really kind of keep things as normal as possible so the routine doesn't disrupt the individual as well. Exactly. And I'm glad you said that. Routine is so, so important. 
Um, so we want to keep them on their schedule as much as possible, which leads to the, to the next idea, and that's the, the set up expectations. So um, a, a lot of families, they might be spending the whole day at one place, um, or they might be spending half the day. And with different with 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 dementia, with with any other disabilities, it might be that they cannot they don't have the energy, they don't have the concentration uh, to stay all day at one place because uh-huh. perhaps they're they're taking a nap, perhaps they're doing you know they're they have the, they have their day, and of course, a holiday spending the all day at someone else's house might change things. So you mentioned going to their place, um, but also setting expecta- setting those expectations ahead of time. It might be, you know, normally we're here all day, we're here for four hours, but I really just don't know if we're going to be there 30 minutes and we're going to get to eat or if it's going to be, you know, two hours or, or, or whatever it might be. So setting up expectations so that people are not um, as disappointed if you were had to, if you did have to leave oh, okay. um, sooner than you thought. Yeah, that makes so much and, sense. And, and having those conversations with your family members is critical you uh, don't let anyone assume anything especially uh, for the holidays and and sometimes friction can develop how do you how do you minimize that i mean other than making sure everyone is communicating uh but but i've seen where um some just don't want to take the responsibility yeah this is yeah this is a, a family dynamic you know that that we see pretty often not in every family thank goodness but in every right. family you know, there's some friction, you know, even year round, like, you know, some one individual might feel like another family member is not pulling their weight. Mm-hmm. Um, and now we're together for the holidays. So we're in the same room and there can be some, some friction there. So, you know, just doing your best, you know, as that person, if you're that person who's the, who's uh, doing a, a lot of the work, you know, a lot of it starts with, with you, with us um, saying like, I'm not gonna, you know, I'm going to try to, not let this get to me. I'm going to ask for the grace to, to forgive them, even though, you know, I really think they practically speaking, they need to be doing more. And, uh, you know, it's interesting. These are the times when, uh, you may be surprised that people come around. Um, but certainly, certainly communication, you know, and some people, they feel like, okay, I'm going to send an email out to everybody and let them know, Hey, head just a heads up. And some people are doing that and they're making phone calls. So however, however, is best in your family. You do want to let people know. And, and in that you want to explain to them if there, if you have any tips on interacting um, with your loved one, if there have been some cognitive changes since last time they met, that's a good time to, to talk with them about, give them some tips. Like these are some, some things to talk about. These are some limitations as far as their communication. Cause as you know, uh, dementia can, uh, you know, rob people of that ability to find the words on a consistent basis. Now, we're not talking like, you know, once or twice a day, but, uh, you know, that trouble in engaging in conversations or even having music on in the background while you're having a conversation that, you know, when someone has a cognitive impairment, they might be trying to have a conversation, but then there's Christmas music on in the back, which normally was fine. Mm-hmm. But now they're having trouble, you know, concentrating on that. So, so having a quiet place uh, where you can go or, or just know where there's some environments in the, in the home, whether it's another room or outside to have conversations, just, you know, allow, allow a, 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 an environment of, uh, of peace for people to take breaks. 
Interesting. Interesting. Kind of planning ahead. Uh, in other words, mm-hmm. and also I, I love your idea of letting family members know because there's some that may be from out of town, hadn't visited a while or anything like that. Mm-hmm. And they know that, look, uh, grandmas, you, you may hear her repeat herself once or twice. And that way it wouldn't come yeah. as such a shock, mm-hmm. you know, to everybody in the family mm-hmm. like, oh, what's going on here? Right. So mm-hmm. the folks who are who are more involved can just inform everybody. I love that idea. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And then, and you, and you get, and it's a balance too. So you want to say, Hey, these things are going on, but at the same time, um, please don't, not that they would, you, they, you would, um, they would say this, but you don't, don't avoid grandma, you know, yeah. you know, it might be, it, it's going to be challenging even emotionally to realize that grandma has some, 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 uh, changes in her brain that are happening, yeah. but like she is still the same person. She wants you to sit next to her and hold her hand and, she wants to ask you the question, the questions, even if it's a few times. And sure. so, yeah. yeah, just to continue to say this, this is grandma because right. it is. Right. Right. Definitely. Well, you know, what's interesting is today's gospel reminds us that we are all servants of God. And that means that we should be servants for others, whether it be family or friends, especially our elderly loved ones who gave up a lot for us mm-hmm. in their early points in life. And it's sort of us having to return the favor to show our gratitude toward what they did for us in their later years in life. So how, how do we take on that role, Matt, as, as a servant of God and uh, humble ourselves to, to be a good caregiver? You know, it, it, it goes to what you were saying. It goes to the gospel. It goes to the corporal works of mercy. It go, even goes to the spiritual works of mercy and just... You know, our the whole this whole apostolate Catholic aging is built on that 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 truth that um, through what the church has left us, that is all we have to do is look look at look at aging, look at dementia, look at caregiving through the Catholic lens, and that's being the face of Christ. You be the hands and feet of Christ for that individual in in front of you, whether it's uh, someone who, like you said, did give up everything for you and raised you, or it can be someone that you're you're serving maybe in a professional Matt, unfortunately i'm sorry i'm so sorry we are out of time we are out of mm-hmm. time you guys thank you so much for being with us uh, have a wonderful tuesday uh, and god bless we'll catch you back here tomorrow at 7 a.m central time wake up is a production of catholic community media